Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go to the Toyota of Hollywood guest line. Shop over 1,500 Toyotas indoors in one of America's largest showrooms at Toyota of Hollywood on 441 between Hollywood and Sheridan. One of the all-time great Dolphins receivers is O.J. McDuffie, who, of course, was drafted by Don Shula. O.J., good to talk to you. How are you, my man? I'm hanging in there, man. How about yourself, brother? I'm doing okay. First off, first and foremost, you and your family okay holding up right now with everything going on? You doing okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're uh, we're doing we're doing okay, man. You know, we're doing our part. You know, I mean, staying home and uh, making sure everything that that we do around here is the way it's supposed to be done. You know, um, tough times for a lot of people, man. So we're just uh, making sure we do our part as much as we can and survive the situation. Yep, yep. Good to hear. So. Let's talk a little bit about your former coach there. Now, Coach Shula drafted you. Uh, do you remember what it was like the first time that you met Coach Shula, and and what were your what were your thoughts? Both like, were you intimidated going in? What did you know about Coach Shula? Yeah, well, you know, um, fortunate for me, I was uh, coming from Joe Paterno, and uh, those guys are pretty much cut from the same cloth. Uh, so I was a little my transition from you know my my college coach to my pro coach was was a lot easier than most people. Uh, I knew he was demanding. I knew he was tough. I knew he uh, held everybody accountable. I knew he treated us, he treated his players like men. And uh, so yeah, it was still tough, man. He's still, he's still a legend at that point. So everything about him walking into our first, uh, you know, uh, I, guess we could, I guess they were, they're not, they were in OTA mini camps back then. Uh, it was very intimidating. It was very intimidating. That whole locker room was intimidating, but definitely when you got a legendary guy, uh, like Coach Shula as your answer head man, it was definitely intimidating. And and how about like you mentioned the practices and all that mini camps? I mean, just everything so different today, of course, because of the you know CBA agreements and all that. Like I just I always remember hearing about Coach Shula how tough he ran his players in those practices. Oh yeah, I mean it was um, survival of the fittest. You know, if you didn't come in to camp or mini camps in shape, you were in trouble. He was going to continue to run you until you got your ass in shape. You know, and that's that was part of our job at that point. You know, I mean, I, if you're if you're serious about your craft, you should come in and shape and not try to work your way into shape. And, you know, and that's how he treated you. If you if you weren't ready to go, he'd have the guys that were ready to go in their beginning until guys got their butts in shape, man. So, I mean, the running, the the two days and pass for a couple of weeks, you know, really a three a day with a walk through at night. That was serious stuff that we did, man. And you know, he was more demanding of us as, as individuals to make sure. You know, we took our crafts and what we were doing serious, uh, you know, because we know how he knew how to affect the team. 
So it was all about team to him. And you do your job, you do your job, and the team's going to do well. Are these stories about him making you guys run the six-minute mile over and over again true? Because we had Steve Shapiro on with us earlier in the show, and he said that uh, Don Shuler was legendary for that, and some texters on our text line were questioning whether he could really expect players to run a six-minute mile. Yeah, you know what? I didn't, We really didn't have to do the – there were different running things. The one that really, really hurt people was our 12-minute run. You know, the 12-minute run put people on the ground, had people throwing up, had people back spasm, hamstrings, everything was uh, <laughs> everything was on the line for these guys. That run, and they dreaded it. I mean, I know people, you can see people in the locker room for the 12-minute run, you know, sweating, you know what I mean, nervous, the stomach, they had to go to the bathroom, and it was it was a rough deal for them because that was one of his, that was his main test of conditioning. Never, not that you ever need 12 minutes in a football game, but it's, it's, he's wanting to see if you, you know, did all the work in the offseason and, and got ready for it. So, guys, in that 12-minute run, I've talked to a lot of guys on our podcast from guys that played, you know, obviously with the perfect season team to guys that played in his last years in the 90s, early 90s, and everybody dreaded 12-minute run. It was, it was legendary, and it was scary. Well, what happened on that? Tw- I mean, is it just running straight for 12 minutes? Like, what, what happened on that run? Yeah, so the 12-minute run is, you know, we were at St. Thomas then, and even when we moved to Navy, you know, you got to go around the field a certain number of laps and get to a certain point to pass this test, you know. And so each position, depending on how big or little you were, had different marks that they had to achieve. And so the big guys really had a hard time. You can imagine the big guys having a hard time, <laughs> you know, running for 12 minutes in the, in the Miami Heat. You know, I mean, it was it was rough out there. But there were a lot of little guys, wide receivers and running back, that struggled more than some of the big guys did. Uh, because it's just not a football type of conditioning, you know. So, I mean, you see guys, honestly, the, the cramps were the biggest thing you'd ever see. The way guys would cramp up, you know, or throw up or, you know, pass out. I mean, it was it was, it was was crazy thing to see. Fortunately for me, we did like an 18-minute run at Penn State. Not the same weather, but the 18 minutes gave me a little advantage running a 12-minute run when I got here. So I was okay with it, but there were a lot of guys that, uh, yeah, it did them in. And it, if you didn't pass it the first day, you come back the next morning or the next morning or the next morning until you pass it. Now, how about if a young O.J. McDuffie had a question for Coach Shula, were you able to go knock on his office door during the day and talk to him like that? Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> I was I was scared, man. I was, I was too scared to do that, man. You know, if I had a question, I'd go to some of the veteran guys. You know, especially if there's anything about the offense, I, I would, I, or I'd just wait for somebody else to ask and get the butts chewed, you know what I mean? And then I get my answer that way. So I was, no way I was going up to coach's office uh, ever. <laughs> Can you tell us uh, what was the relationship like between Coach Shula and Marino? I thought they had a great relationship. You know, I think, um, you know, Coaches have he's had some obviously some legendary players before he got Danny. You know, we talk about, you know, Zonk and Kick and, you know, all the linemen, you know, we talk about Larry Little and all those guys. We talk about Greece. He had some great guys, but he never had a guy that was kinda of like a, a rock star like Danny was, man. But Shula was the first legend down here in South Florida. You know, so he knew how legendary status was. But I thought they, they vibed very well. You know, especially being an offensive-minded coach, always in the offensive meetings, always, you know, with the quarterbacks or quarterbacks and receivers and running backs. You know, he and Danny had a great relationship. And 
you know, there were some times in that locker room where things would go down and Shula always had Danny's back. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, Danny Danny Boy did did no wrong, you know, which he, he didn't most of the time. And, and so it was it was great to see that relationship, but she always wanted to stay close to Danny because that way, you know, you always uh, have Shula on your side as well. Now, on the practice field, OJ, were players allowed to go back at Coach Shula? Like, if Coach Shula's chewing some guy out, were you allowed to, like, you know, disagree and tell him what you were thinking? You crazy? You <laughs> crazy, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you just hope it's one, you know, you get to, you hope you can console one of your teammates after the, the butt chewing, you know what I mean? You, you, you just have to, you don't go to Coach and say anything, man, because Coach will have everybody be in trouble in that meeting, the next meeting, if we ever said anything back to Coach, you know? And it, it was just a respect factor, man. And Coach didn't get on you just for nothing, man. He, he expected a lot out of you, and if you didn't produce it, he's going to let you know. And uh, so it was um, more of him just, uh, you know, honestly, I was talking about it earlier today, man. Coach just wanted us to be winners on and off the field. So if he's working you there, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll pay you for things in life. And I think a lot of people appreciated Coach so much more after they played for him because of what he was trying to do, you know, for Tim, to them as players to prepare them for the rest of their lives. Well, and you could speak to this as well, uh, you know, since you played for him for a few years, and certainly you, I know you've had a ton of interaction with him after 95 when he retired. But I could tell you from my standpoint, you know, I obviously didn't know him at all when he was coaching. I was way too young, but I had plenty of interaction with him afterward, and he was the, just the nicest man. He was so kind, and that was probably interesting for someone like yourself who knew him as very tough, mean when he had to be, but then after he was your coach, he was super sweet, right? Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more. And I think um, I think there was an evolution there. Because I know the guys that you know, I talked to that played earlier said how, how really, really tough he was. Then, of course, you get into the 80s, and he was still, you know, he was tough, but kind of loosened up a little bit. Then I caught him at the end of his career, obviously, and he wasn't as tough, I think, as some of those other guys experienced. So I think that all just uh, an evolution of how Sula became you know, the, the man that he was, the coach that he was, the demanding coach that he was. And he, when he was done coaching, he finally got a chance to exhale and relax, man. And, you know, I mean, that's when he was the funniest. <clears throat> you, you hear him tell the stories, and he still cracks on, cracked on people. You know, we just, we just saw him a few months ago for his birthday, and uh, he was still telling jokes and, and telling stories, yeah. you know, and, you know, and still had everything about him wit-wise, man. And it was something he could recall from a few decades. It was just unbelievable. I think that we found him. I caught him at the right time of his coaching career. And definitely, you know, his post-coaching career was just an amazing time. Just, you know, being able to laugh and, and, and reminisce about certain things. And, you know, think about his ass. For a guy like that to take me, you know, in the first round, a wide receiver from Penn State in the first round, I mean, that made me feel real special because, you know, First of all, we, we had Duper and Clayton right before I got here. We just picked up Urban Fire and Mark Ingram when I got here. And still, you know, he, he felt it, um, especially that I was a special enough player to, to draft me in the first round. That, that meant a lot to me. Yeah, but you had multiple kickoff returns for touchdowns that rookie year. I mean, you, you told him right away you made the right choice. Yeah, well, yeah, I had to prove myself, man. <laughs> I had to prove myself. I was definitely brought on originally as a return guy and then able to work my way into the offense eventually towards the end of the year and, of course, the following years. But, yeah, man, that was the only way I could get in, you know, and a lot of guys don't get that anymore, man. If, you don't, if you're not a starter, you better be something special on special teams, and, and I was able to do that. I had a lot of help, but I was able to do that. Yeah, you were an excellent kick returner. Uh, OJ, tell everyone, uh, tell everyone how they could hear you on your podcast, you and Seth. Go ahead. Yeah, we are on the Red the Fish Tank 
of Dolphin Tales from the Deep, and we're actually on the Dolphins Podcast Network. So uh, Seth and I, we've had some really great stories. We've got a few that we're doing uh, right now. We've got a, you know, we've done some stories that we haven't uh, put out there yet with guys like Richmond Webb and and uh, Ray Lucas, and you know, we've got a, we got a, we're going to come out with a, we got a Don Shula special coming out in a few days. Uh, but it's it's been great, man. We've we've got about fifty or sixty stories on the pod right now. For guys who want to go back and listen to guys like, uh, you know, um, you know, Lewis Oliver, guys you never even thought about, Tony Egwest in the equipment rooms, Stu Weinstein, you know, who's our our head of security. Some of the stories yeah. are just legendary. Bobby Monica, who was one of our equipment guys, and a lot of different players like, you know, Tony uh, Stratford and guys like. There's so many really funny stories that aren't X and O's, but just some stuff that happened along their careers that will crack you up. I've seen. I saw Lewis Oliver out recently. He'll still put you on the ground, man. Lewis looks amazing. I was watching. You know, how it is with no sports. I was watching the 1989 draft and how he fell in the draft and how he came in with a chip on his shoulder. You know, the same. I think it was the same year Atwater came out as a safety. So it was. Uh, Lewis is a bad man still to this day. Yep. Yep. Uh, OJ, great catching up with you. Thanks a lot for joining us on such short notice. Anytime, Zaz and Amber. Thanks. Take care, guys. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.